you're on Radio 191 FM. Uh, it's 11 past 1, uh, and that was The Bug vs. Earth uh, with their song Snakes vs. Rats. And I'm joined by Olivia Jatel. Hey, how's it going? What up, my G? Bugs, rats, snakes, and uh, what now? <laughs> and the Earth. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's also I wasn't feeling too apocalyptic, but then you played that, and now I'm <laughs> in the dumps again. There's lots of uh, funny artists' names, eh? I think it's something to do with the internet and the, you know, they don't think about me here reading them out. Right. You just see them visually. Or yeah. you've got to have that edge, man. So, like, whether that's, like, planting a bomb threat or, or whatever, like, you know, you get that mm. shit popping. <laughs> yeah. yeah, bomb so. threat. Very uh, topical here. My goodness. At the moment. Um, I was I was I was thinking like oh my god there's some alt right black pillar some some nihilistic nerd who's kind of gone over the edge or something, yeah. but thank God that hasn't kind of extended uh, to Dunedin no. just yet. No. Well, it, yeah. Uh, so you're in Dunedin. You're you're based in University of uh, South Pacific in Fiji, but uh, you're here and you're a friend of the show, so you're in. That's Friend right. of the station, actually. Uh, listen, man, I'm not going to miss the <laughs> opportunity to talk to my boy, George. Yeah. Uh, and so I thought we'd talk about uh, what you've been doing in, in, uh, as your academic work. And the, the kind of area that you, that you focus on, that you, you publish about, um, is interesting t- to me. But I, I find it is um, it's probably it's a convincing... There are some very convincing theories when we... And uh, this is what you do, is kind of... Um, merge uh, psychoanalytical stuff mm-hmm. with with politics and and a kind of um, um, maybe a post-Marxist kind of you know looking at uh, you know I, I, I like I like post post-Marxism actually that's uh, mm. that's post-Marxism kind of still has a bit of Marxism still too much Marxism in it. No, I'm saying no, I'm saying I'm post that kind of like okay. I mean, and this is where uh people like uh Zizek and Jody Dean when mm-hmm. they make this kind of gesture towards leninism, people are like, "Okay, well what do you really mean?" and then uh, they're not necessarily so sure either. And so maybe yeah. I my work also possesses some of that kind of classical marxist grandstanding uh like Alain Badiou or any of those other uh kind mm-hmm. of great thinkers, but I um, I think it is really necessary to say we can no longer rely. Now, so what was post-Marxism? The idea that oh god, now we're going to have. I was going to try to keep it low key, but no, it's all good. post-structuralism was the idea that we could not have kind of economic determination in the last instance, as you know Louis Althusser uh, had put it. And so there was a great deal of theorization about kind of post-party, post-state, post-economy type. Uh, ways of conceptualizing politics, which are really important in kind of like, you know, scrutinizing everyday power relations, mm-hmm. you know, the politics of everyday life, all of that kind of stuff. But then kind of growing from there was a, and always with an emphasis on Gramsci, which again, I don't have a problem with, but but Gramsci, I don't want to say let's just kind of, it, it allows us to elide this kind of question of like, politics, mobilization, party, the economy, sometimes. But looking for resistance in, in you know, I don't want to say trivial things, but it's almost like every, everything is resistance except actually the resistance in that old school way of right. organizing. So, uh, and where this kind of dovetails uh, with uh, some of my thinking, and we haven't talked about psychoanalysis, but some of my thinking about 
uh, online politics and mm-hmm. Occupy Wall Street or the Internet Party yeah. or the alt-right is just this belief, and again, borrowing from Gilles Deleuze, and Gilles Deleuze is an important thinker, but I think he should be kept under lock and key, <laughs> kept away from kind of, uh, you know, undergrads or what? I mean, yeah. he's somebody you got to approach with real caution. Yeah. Um, but one of the Deleuzean metaphors is like, you know, rhizomatic politics mm. that like we're kind of these dispersed nodes that networks enable and that rhetoric, an affect. That, yeah, that rhetoric kind of gets, I guess, simulated by these, by the Internet Party and that kind of thing. You say in this paper, and this is the context uh, here for our, for our listeners, is Jatel's oh, right. uh, effective media, cyber libertarianism and the New Zealand Internet Party, where you look at uh, the uh, Internet Party election. Uh, and a kind of a, a pleasure economy of lols, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, but that's and to, to to bring it to the Deleuzean point, yeah. the idea was not that. Uh, and and Ernesto Laclau, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm combining the two a little bit in a way that's not uh, that neither would approve. But there's this rejection of the idea of politics as something that could be like programmatic, you know, like. This is your ideology. Mm-hmm. This is your program. This is your organization. You get this done. And yes, I understand that critique. But then there is in Deleuze a prioritization of uh, prioritizing of affect and emotion and human connectivity, which in a sense recreates a a vulgar teleological humanism, more vulgar than vulgar Marxism. What I mean by teleological humanism that human energy coming together coalescing yeah. together would lead us to something like Tahrir Square Occupy Wall Street mm-hmm. into like a, a new human becoming that's democratic and all the rest of it and actually the truth of that uh, is well no I mean I want to say no but not only that this idea of networked affect is something that's just perfect for the alt-right mm-hmm. and for kind of fetishistic political behaviors and this is where we get into psychoanalysis so, and stuff. Yeah, so it's a, and the the part where psychoanalysis comes in, I, I guess it's it's a return from those old school structuralisms, I guess, to the, the body and, and the mm-hmm. everyday and these these simple uh, the pleasures. Body. I know, the body is so overdone. I mean <laughs> uh, it's sorry. Well you you deal in, in affect and I sure and I, I guess you know, this is what one of the big academic trends is, is. It, re- it really is. Mm. It really is. And I, in a sense, I understand. Uh, and again, Deleuze is, oh man, on the psychoanalytic tip, um, Deleuze tries to theorize the um, hypochondriac. And rather than seeing psychoanalysis as this thing where we have these kind of immutable pathologies that need to be kind of whipped down or controlled or managed and to be honest i think it's true like lacan doesn't really have like a a radical emancipatory ethic and deleuze is trying to uh think of the hypochondriac as feeling the full intensity of existence Mm -hmm. and trying to challenge and harness that for like kind of positive uh politics and an enabling uh kind of politics rather than this just managing pathology and that's a good gesture, but then how that gets used so simplistically and in ways that are like 
not even recognized. You're not even recognizing that you're kind of stealing kind of Deleuzian poetry about <laughs> affect and human connectivity. Yeah. A couple of the big culprits here are on the left, uh, uh, Tony Negri and, and Michael Hart, right. uh, and their kind of formulations of the multitude. Again, you yeah. know, just because you criticize something in academia means doesn't mean it's worthless. Like, no, I mean, no. I've... Uh, I've learned a tremendous amount uh, engaging with with uh, with those thinkers, but yeah. See the see the the way, the way that I kind of think about affect, and you know, the, uh, this is a um, the, this is so funny. I thought we were going to talk about the New Zealand election, but let's talk about <laughs> affect. Well, I, I I think we'll get to that because no, I'll get I'll get. There might be I'm joking. There might be a lack. You know, in, in New Zealand, but um, the the you know Masumi's definition in that Deleuze book is is, mm-hmm. is the one that's chucked around, and that's precognitive. Affect is precognitive, right. and it gets confused with emotion. But I think the best way of thinking about affect, and this goes to the internet party, is how it's captured. How it's harnessed right. and what it's harnessed for, because it's something that we can't really explain. And and, and how tech companies, you know, gamify it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there is a way in which, and of course, this is uh, Jody Dean, who we're both uh, big admirers of. Um, you know, talks about how the kind of drives of affect, of kind of you know the validation of the other, but both kind of understanding what the other sees in us. This kind of incessant drive mirrors, you know, what Facebook wants from us. Total surveillance of our psyche, our emotions, our everyday, to monetize, to, sorry, you know, quantify and turn into data yeah. uh, our existence. So, um, you know, it's a kind of convergence of libidinal and political economies. Hmm. And so, to get to the to the internet party, that's that's... What you saw in t- in terms of the the other here, mm-hmm. and I guess maybe I would you know the this replace the internet as what what you call the uh, master signifier kind of replaces God or something like that. Well, I mean, or we the like enemy. the internet. We like. I mean, I like the internet. I waste time on the internet just like anybody else. Oh, and yeah. uh, sure, but yeah. also <laughs> our culture, uh, our cultural moment has you know come to define. You know, everything is a life hack, or we need a Uber for this, mm-hmm. or you know, everything to do. You know, we need the, to be the next Silicon Valley. That, and so, know. so dot com and his cyber libertarianism are, are, are finding a life hack for democracy. Well, that was that was their pitch. I yeah. mean, and actually, there was a really amazing. So, dot uh, com. Uh, honestly, if you want to waste time and just like have your jaw hit the floor you know go back and watch some of those back videos from the internet party catalog (laughs) i mean and it was obvious and and you would have learned a lot and uh some of us were reading the headlines and reading the very good reporting it should have been obvious Uh, but it it should have been way more obvious (laughs) than than it was at the time uh and and again this is the danger and we see this again of like just vote national out you know what i mean let's (laughs) just get them out we'll figure out all the other stuff (laughs) later but there was a great video at the Internet Party launch uh, from his mansion where he's talking about, and I won't do the German accent, you know, <laughs> the Internet Party is the greatest, you know, evo- excuse me, the Internet is the greatest kind of human technology, you know, evolution of the species. It allows us to work in collaboration with one another to develop new products to share information. <laughs> it's like, I mean, all this great kind of like accelerationist rhetoric about the internet is just like, yeah, we got new ways to like order <laughs> weed and pizza with bitcoins and shit, you know, like, and and this is this was the key slippage for, for Kim, which is to conflate 
Um, yeah. Uh, and look, you know, Kim is a. Um, how do I want to put it? Hey, listen, I don't want Kim.com shipped to the U.S. And I think there's some very important conversations we all need to have about mm-hmm. copyright, about surveillance, about New Zealand government and its role within Five Eyes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't want them shipped. Um, but, but Kim was out to create himself in the mold of an Assange, of a Snowden, oh, yeah. of a Manning. And, and, and some of those guys I have more problems with than others. Mm-hmm. And it's possibly too complicated a conversation for now. Mm-hmm. But but this was again this slippage, you know, when 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 we had the moment of truth, <laughs> it was essentially a big pitch for his new product, you know, Mega Chat, mm-hmm. which would be the Skype killer. And it was like, you know, there was like the the Mega watermark was stamped all over the live stream. It was this conflating of internet liberty with, you know. Exactly. And this is what you see all the time with the anti-SOPA and PIPA or whatever those... uh, And even, to some extent, uh, the battles for net neutrality. I mean, these are what internet companies want. Mm -hmm. And we are, to bring it all back to that master signifier internet, we kind of assume the internet has its own logic, which is an unalloyed good for society. It's like, well, not like the internet is... uh, you know, it has national specificity, it has corporate specificity, it has all those things influenced into it. You know, Google is an American corporation. Mm-hmm. The Chinese government, the Russian government, they rightly see Google as an American corporation. I'm not saying that the Russian internet is a good thing or the Chinese internet is a good but you know, it is actually this political, geopolitical, yeah. economic uh, a soft power place. tool. Exactly. As 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 they Thank call you. it in, in I, uh, um and and I guess so so we got a little bit advanced there. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, this election, however, yes, doesn't feel uh, that it has the oomph of um, you know. The, it doesn't have many moments of truth. Uh, oh my gosh! <laughs> like well, all right. Okay, how do how do we transition from the New Zealand Internet Party to, to now? To now, I mean, the new this Internet Party is completely irrelevant, but it is kind of funny to watch. You know, uh, Kim.com become best buzz with Sean Hannity. Oh, my God. That was just... Yeah, yeah, And all of these things that... And actually... All right. Should we talk... I feel like... No, no, no. We'll stick on the New Zealand election. I do really want to talk about how Cyber Libertarian kind of really breaches into the alt-right. Yeah, Um, yeah. No, no. uh, And this was the... This was, I think, the key alienating factor. If you go back to the moment of truth, like, it was such an insider... Uh, I mean, you have to acknowledge the fact that John Key's government and and John Key himself is a figure of political popularity that's that's quite unprecedented in mm-hmm. this country, whether you want to deal with it or not. And and the moment of truth for the Internet Party was this kind of like chance to kind of an, have an in-group kind of ridicule of the sheeple and the normies, you know? And I mean, Glenn Greenwald's performance was to like kind of... I mean, you would never see Seymour Hersh talk about his personal feud with the Prime Minister. And uh, there's an amazing quote where Glenn Greenwald saying, this guy says that I'm politically self-motivated. How could I be, you know? I mean, only somebody who's so deeply corrupt, who thinks this way, you know, who's revealing more about himself could ever... And of course, Glenn Greenwald was pretty self-interested yeah. and yeah, yeah. didn't actually give a shit about the New Zealand context or whatever. You know, so there's so many levels of alienation and tech 
nerd elitism, mm. which was, you know, it's quite just, rightly galling for most people to stomach. It's just a, a, a liberty thing going on as well. I, I find in these what we could call affective publics of lols and stuff online, there, are, there still great, great. is quite often a... Um, a head to it, a, right. a, a, a kind of uh, an, a, an a nexus point or something like that. Right, you know, right, there's, right. I mean, Trump, obviously. Um, but oh god, and then all the people, and then there's the, all the, the the blue ticks on Twitter rushing in to be the top reply to say, oh, "You yeah. sir exactly. are a disgrace." And a, oh, just shut up! <laughs> <laughs> god damn it, we don't need that right now. Your kind of wannabe Edward R. Murrow tweets is not cutting it. That's <laughs> not the resistance. I'm sorry. Anyway, so there, um, there's a you, you see a connection between uh, the alt right and Silicon Valley kind of cyber libertarianism. Well, I mean, look, let me obviously look at Peter Thiel. I yeah. mean, he's a guy that literally wants to subtract from society, and mm-hmm. whether on his own seasteading colony or for our listeners, or, this is the guy that uh, right. it got citizenship in New Zealand. Who yeah. was a big investor in Facebook, the founder of PayPal. Yeah. Uh, Palantir, which is a very nefarious kind of NATSEC contractor that works at the NSA oh, okay. and all the rest of it. And Peter Thiel is is big in these kind of libertarian life extension uh, technologies. Uh, yes. He's literally like you're working on blood technology. Well, that, that's what they call it. Like, And they're like harvesting the blood of Indian peasant children, which is nice. Um, uh, but but these, these people, and this is the thing about, you know, kind of... Uh, a group like Anonymous, mm. the, the hacker collective, which now no longer exists because the Trump moment kind of, uh, you know, made its contradictions kind of fold in on itself, is 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 they're discussed with the sheeple, basically. Yeah, these are not left wing politics with any kind of kind of. That's right. You know, well, not masses. not even emancipatory, but yeah, they hate the masses. Yeah, basically, they want to mock and ridicule the masses and if you think of adbusters magazine you think of any of that kind of stuff i mean like i'm just writing a um i'm writing a review right now of a great book called kill all normies written by angela nagel and you know richard spencer this Mm -hmm. kind of nazi alt-right guy writes about you know these middle-class suburban republicans with their big macs and their suvs like it sounds like out of adbusters you know Mm. what i mean this kind of contempt for for normal people which is a big part of cyber libertarian politics, of which uh, the Internet Party is obviously a product. And then we've got coming out of the debacle of 2014, you know, Kim.com going full yeah. red pill. Uh, Susie Dawson, who's their leader, who's in self-exile in Moscow, who oh, thinks God. that the government is trying to kill her. I mean, she's written some absolutely disgraceful stuff. Um, Apologies uh, for this guy, Jacob Applebaum, who's an accused uh, serial assaulter who was on the tour. Anyway, whatever. Real gross, disgusting stuff. But this is the thing about affect, right? And lolcats and the lulls and everything else. Uh-huh. Which was where this was supposed to be kind of like cutesy pie cat memes and, you know, a little bit of fun. Um, you know, it really kind of, the logic of lulls really devolves into, you know, trolling and Pepe memes and, you know, triggering snowflakes or what, you know, that's how, that's their terminology and all the rest of it. Like, that's, that's the natural trajectory of, of this kind of networked affect. Yeah. Because there is no, again, there's no conception of, of the mass of the public. It's all, it's only this kind of narrow insular kind of in-group economy and that in-group has to have an outsider, whether it's the sheeple or the normies, or whether it's feminist Twitter, mm-hmm. or whatever it is, 
it has to have this this group that it's you know upsetting with its memes and all the rest but then that presence of the outsider and this is the i've got a i've got a quote here on the sure. outsider conspiratorial illuminati-esque terms of omnipot omnipotence and pathological soullessness whose own perverted enjoyment threatens the group all right so i'm sorry this is going to take a huge jump and i might not necessarily have done the work there but if you look at the alt-right and if you look at anti-semitism Mm -hmm. in the alt-right, but also the logic of anti-Semitism. What is the logic of anti-Semitism? It's this idea that there's this corrupting group yeah. that's manipulating currency, it's manipulating media, it's both the Rothschilds, but also the city-dwelling, dirty, the the ghetto-dweller. It's also, it's it's voracious and carnal, but it's also overly intellectual. Mm -hmm. that, that, that'd be me. That and uh, that's a weird contradiction. It's though. all these contradictions. Yeah, it's to it's it's totally built on what uh, Althusser would call overdetermined. Okay, it's all of these kind of superfluous evils crammed into one that allows you to then enjoy this notion that there is the the nation, the German nation, if we could eradicate this uh, this one entity. But because it's so, you know, libidinally overdetermined, you can never eradicate it. It's in you. Like yeah. that's your phantasm, mm -hmm. and this is this is the alt right. The alt right exists because a bunch of safe space wanting white misanthrope nerds on 4chan see in Twitter and other social media, Tumblr, a kind of inclusion of of women of people of color, and they've kind of, you know, those people are now ruining their memes. Mm -hmm. I swear to God, this is like yeah. this is what's so weird is that yeah. the rebirth of fascism. <laughs> is happening because people are mad about their memes being ruined. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like there's a guy. His name is Weave, and he's the guy that launched the Pepe as a fascist. Uh, and Weave was a cause celebre for people like Molly Crabapple, Lori Penny, uh, McGill uh, Professor Gabriella Coleman, uh, a whole bunch of other people. People thought he was uh, a lefty. He's actually the subject of a book out on Verso, which kind of. Uh, lionizes him a bit. The guy's an out-and-out -out Nazi, mm. concerned about POCs ruining the memes, and then, like, he's always talking about, you know, I was in the room when the lulls was first spoke. <laughs> he's like a goddamn grandiose, hipster, kind of, like, insufferable git. Yeah. And that is, that's feeding their fascism. This idea that these people have ruined their space through tweeting. Mm. And that, but that, that becomes about you know, campus, what's served in some campus cafeteria in a liberal arts college they've never heard of, uh, to this protester got punched, or et cetera, et cetera, and it just mushrooms. And and I think the thing with the alt-right, when we look at the U.S., is like, I mean, it doesn't really have a concrete political program, and it only kind of lives for the lulls, but I think I think there is a certain amount of nihilism that's going to manifest itself in some, some really hideous violence and, and all yeah. the rest of it, but... Yeah, it is very yeah. it is very fragmented, and I you know reading some of its intellectuals, it it it's it's unsurprising that they do try and appropriate some of um, the more leftist uh, intellectuals as well. I've seen I've seen articles There's a lot of references to lose actually. Yeah, yeah. I've seen I've seen um, articles with them trying to reconcile with Zizek and and, and people like that. And right. Talking about the, the the pros and cons and yeah, it's it's, it's really quite interesting well, in its contradictions. That's right. It's, it's incredibly contradictory, and uh, I think they are uh, 
they like this kind of pseudo intellectual. I mean, Nick Land is their big. He's their dark enlightenment. Yeah, uh, yeah. Guru or thinker, if you will. And I think they do like the trappings of intellectualism because they say, oh, you know, they're here to save Western civilization, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So, you know, there's a lot of appropriation. I guess, of you know, that, that makes sense. In any group, there's going to be, you know, the people who are in it for the lols and then the people who take themselves seriously. Right. And who are kind of looked up to by the other people. And I guess the thing is, is that, uh, and this is kind of the thesis of Angela Nagel's book, is that left online spaces are reasonably joyless and quite vicious and concerned with this kind of circular language politics or uh, and the alt-right if you are like a, a kid who watches South Park looks kind of funny and fun and you don't understand the context so and you know how many of those people are really kind of you know into Nazism versus think it's fun to upset people online I mm -hmm. mean yeah, yeah. But we're not doing enough on our side to make our politics very distilled and simple uh, and right. attractive. Yeah. Um, yeah. On, on the much. On, on the left. On the left. And, and I think this is... All right, so... And the point of, of this article I wrote about the Internet Party was that, like, this kind of online tech vanguardism mm. is... And we saw that with Occupy Wall Street... Uh, is everywhere across the political spectrum, and where and Jody Dean talks about the techno democracy fetish, and yeah. where for um, the alt right and for fascists, it's kind of like a shortcut to the lulls with all of that kind of enjoyment, but fascistic potential. For the left, we've been kind of racked by process, by consensus, by language. You know, did I deny your agency? Am I? speaking in cis male terms etc etc and we it, it becomes we think that that discourse will replace <laughs> kind of like political ethical decisions and commitments mm. that you have to make we in think politics. we can just inject today with that's the right we needle. think that and uh i kind of throw shade a little bit at lumio which i know is a, uh it's a new zealand app and it's connected a lot of people like the people that created it and i'm not saying anything about it but the the guy uh, who founded Lumio was giving a TED talk, obviously. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he talked about like a Brazilian protester who wrote a letter to him, and that this was like the big thing. You know, your app has given us the freedom to dream, to discuss, to have that space again from which our dreams will blah blah. blah. And it's like, I mean, yeah, there's that. We have to have those conversations, but at some point, we have to just cut a line and say, yep, this is you know, our ethical, political commitment. But what we seem to be doing on, on left-wing spaces, uh, which, again, are, are pretty vicious, is is just kind of... All right, now, th this is the problem, too, because the alt-right take the language. So if you say social justice warrior, that's the thing alt-right says. Or if you say virtual signaling, that's what they say. Mm, but yeah, there's yeah. a certain... They disarm it. They, totally. But there's a certain amount of uh, whatever, purity Olympics, or that's another... <laughs> you know, that, that happens in this kind of techno-democracy, kind of endless discursive process that doesn't necessarily get us anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I think with the with the internet, and, and especially with, like, New Zealand politics, people that are in, inclined to this stuff can can enjoy it through the internet, and, and so it has no bearing on electoral politics in, in New Zealand. Right. 
Yes. So yes. that that I, I guess that could be part of you know the a, a lack of any um, you know very obvious uh, you know uh, affective publics. Right, and this that, time that was around. the thing is that occupy for whatever you want to say about general assemblies and ninety percent consensus, which kind of stupid. Uh, it did get people in the public square. Yeah. All right. It was rooted to publicness, which is incredibly important. And look, you know, are people still going to union halls, rotary clubs? Student union, like, where are public institutions now? I mean, mm. I know they're all in decline. I mean, you know, youth sports clubs are in decline. All of these public places where we actually come together, where we know each other, where we talk about these things, these are all, yeah, in bad shape. But that's what needs to that's what needs to be rehabilitated. Yeah, you know, parties, and and these kinds of public spaces. And you can't. The internet is no shortcut around that. Do you have any uh, comment on anything else to do with the New Zealand election going forward before oh, we God. finish? Well, the, Im- the immigration thing definitely has an, an obvious kind of... That's right. I've talked about that with Jamie. Uh, and uh, Well, we won't go into that too Well, much, you know, last week uh, the New Zealand <laughs> Labour Party page on Facebook uh, <laughs> posted something that uh, the OECD reports about uh, both job creation, which had us like 30-something out of 40, and then our historically long-running high uh, rates suicide. of youth suicide. Oh, my God. And the that. New Zealand Labour Party that was bizarre. conflated yeah. those two things and said this is the problem with out-of-control immigration, denying young youth. Now, that is shocking, appalling, disgusting. They actually tweeted out uh, to me like an apology. Sorry, we didn't mean that. The comment's been fixed. But it's like... Okay, did an intern in trying to interpret Labour's position <laughs> yeah. come up with that? Well, then or, that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, that's saying something. But then Giovanni Tiso, he said, look, you know, actually, no, don't underestimate their willingness to kind of get stuff out there. Mm. You know what I mean? Because that's, that's the game they're playing. It's disgraceful. It's to make up for their lack of imagination. Desperation, isn't it? Yeah, well, yeah. that was... To, and there's a great uh, tweet by Randy Grubb, who's the guy who convinced a whole bunch of Republicans that he was throwing away Republican ballots in Ohio on Twitter, and it was one of the most glorious moments of Twitter. But this was after the election. Oh, uh, yeah, and it's, I the, remember this that. Is the tweet. He says, the Democrats are going to have a good, luck, good hard look at themselves and decide they need to get a little more racist. <laughs> All right? And that's what... <laughs> and this is actually happening. This is what the Labor Party thinks working class issues are. Yeah. Is being angry white reactionaries. Now, that is, you know... Particularly when we have Jeremy Corbyn doing his thing and showing what showing you can do it, mm. with values and consistency and authenticity, it's it's a disgrace. I mean, thankfully, uh, the Greens have done a little bit of a U-turn in their language about this, and James Shaw fronted up on the weekend and just apologized for how they had discussed the issue. And that's, I mean, that's a minimum. Mm. Um, but it doesn't bode well, and I hear people say all the time, don't criticize, we just got to focus on getting them out. But it's like getting them out to do what? I mean, that's the conversation that we need to be having. And look, I'm not saying the, the latest national budget was great, but and it wasn't great. But it really wasn't a million miles away from perhaps what a labor budget yeah. might look like, yeah. which again is a shocking indictment on the political imagination and will of the Labor Party. And so it's hard... For, I mean, I'd be about ready, just looking at what Jeremy Corr has been able to do, I'd be ready to join a pretty weak sauce Labor Party, but like, they're even like, I'm setting, I'm lowering my threshold, and mm. they just they just never seem to disappoint. Um, sorry, I'm... No, no, you're right. Yeah, I, I guess we'll see what happens. It's a dispiriting thing. We'll and, just have to wait till next election. Oh my, no, 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 no. <laughs> come on, we're going to get out, we're going to vote, we're going to mobilize, we're going to keep talking about those issues, yeah. and, you know, we've seen in the Green Party... 
they have a constituency that are shocked and appalled by this tact oh, yeah. and are Definitely. making themselves be heard and they have a leadership that will listen to them. And, and as such, that's something that gives me a, a modicum of mm -hmm. optimism. Um, and then you yeah. got NZ first. Now there's some kind of uh, libidinal economy oh with with uh, well, St. Peter's <laughs> well, and, and Shane Jones and uh, I'm the know, sex symbol. Oh my God! <laughs> well, look, I'm sorry, and I, I shouldn't say this stuff. I get a little bit, a lot more bluer on on my Twitter feed, but I'll I'll save it <laughs> for. Uh, but Shane Jones is a good figure who should be mocked oh, yeah. ruthlessly, <laughs> and I think you know where you need to go with this, folks, if you really want to make fun of Shane Jones. Um, but yes, and then we have uh, Susie Dawson in Moscow and Honey Hada Widow. Let's kill all the bee dealers. <laughs> a lot of me. My, it is really, it is really quite special. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, well, we're that, still here, man. In, the, in, the, in that regard, it's you know, it's it's not very, it's it's not much, uh, you know, soberer than the last election. And there's there's still some some funny little uh, carnivals to to observe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, look, you know, if Labour is going to stake itself on being serious about housing uh, and, and child poverty and some of these other issues, mm. then, I mean, listen, then uh, we've got an opportunity to hold them accountable and and it'll be interesting to see what happens True. out of that fight. And, you know, I mean, I'm not saying the Labour Party would be a great place to, 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 to join anytime soon, but its rules and its membership rules are pretty good that way. So, I mean, there is potential for people to, to exert some... I mean, because, all right, that is the overwhelming, if, if you look at this, and I forgot if it was a Roy Morgan poll that, Roy Morgan poll that came out yesterday talking about housing affordability, mm -hmm. uh, food prices, child poverty, all the rest of it. These are like by far the priority of most New Zealanders. Yeah. All right. So Labor Party says they're going to do a better job at that. A labor-led government with, with all the, you know, the bits and pieces. Um, okay. Then what happens if and when they fail, where does that popular energy go, and how does that express itself? So there's obviously right, there's some yeah. opportunities uh, out of that. Yeah, uh, we'll leave it there. What's your what's your Twitter handle for That's folks? O O J U T E L. Right. Okay. Thanks, Olivier. George, it's always a pleasure. Cheers, cheers for coming.